Welcome to the Natural Running Network. My name is Richard Diaz, and what I hope to do is introduce you to some amazing athletes and luminaries from the sports science community, and what has come to be expected, I'll provide some highly opinionated rants on all aspects of endurance sports and my current favorite, obstacle course racing. Now sit tight, grab a cup of coffee, and let's do this. Okay, we're back, and it's the end of January, and we thought... Leading into the new season, we're so excited about 2018 and the racing that is going to get hot and heavy very, very soon. Aside from all of that, we have a new co-host, as you all know. Her name is Zoe Sir Schmigus Slager. And I'm pretty sure I've got it pronounced properly now. But um, anyway, Zoe has an interesting story. Aside from having been around obstacle course racing for quite some time now, anybody that's been to either a Spartan or even a Tough Mudder event has seen her somewhere on the course somewhere doing color commentary, doing social media. It's kind of her thing. But a lot of people also know her from the series of injuries she's been facing over the last couple of years. And we thought as kind of an introduction to the show, introduction to new folks, we're going to let Zoe Sir Schmigger-Flagger explain to you who she is, why she is, and where we're going with all of this. Zoe, you got the floor. Hello, everyone. Well, uh, thanks again for having me be a co-host. I'm actually really excited for the year. I think uh, we're going to be able to drop some knowledge on some people, so uh, it's going to be good. But um, for those of you who don't know who I am, uh, my name is Zoe. I'm still going to keep my last name a secret. Maybe uh, in the year I'll let you guys know how to pronounce it because it's a fun one. But um, I got into obstacle course racing um, about four years ago or so, um, and I've been dealing with an injury for about three years or so. So uh, you could say that my obstacle course racing career was very short-lived, um, but we'll come back to it. Anyway... Uh, it's a, it's a long story. So I hope you guys have your coffee ready and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go if that's okay with you, Rich. Yeah. But before you go, I just want to be sure that I did in fact pronounce your last name properly. (laughs) I mean, I'm looking forward to how you say it every week. So, um, how do you, how did you say it this week? (laughs) It's ready. Yep. Zer Sploshinkink Flosish. I don't even know how you came up with that. Some of those consonants aren't even in my last name. <laughs> yeah, they're silent. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> they come up silently. Oh my gosh. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no worries. All right. So, um, after college, I, I mean, I was very active growing up. I was a gymnast. I played soccer. I did volleyball, basketball, track, tennis. I was very active growing up. Uh, when I hit college, I uh, just kind of stopped doing the whole fitness thing. And I uh, got really, really into partying. And I think for about six years or so, I could count on two hands, maybe add in some toes in there, uh, the amount of times that I went to a gym. So there's that. I took a very long break from fitness. Um, 
when I got back into it, I got back into it because I signed up for a Tough Mudder. I think a lot of people can relate to that story where they, they sign up for an obstacle course race and it's a big challenge for them and it's very scary and they don't think they can do it, but they sign up anyway and that's what I did. And I started training for it just because I was so out of shape and I didn't want to die out there on the course. I mean, I was already going to get electrocuted. I was going to, you know, go through freezing cold water. I, you know, didn't want to run the 12 miles or whatever it was, but I trained for it. And after I finished that race, I caught the OCR bug. I fell in love with the sports. So I just started signing up for everything, started signing up for Spartans, Warrior Dashes, Epic Series, any obstacle course race that was in driving distance. I was pretty much signing up for it. You know, I bought a season pass for Spartan. I just like fully immersed myself into it. Now, that being said, I didn't start the sport with a plan. I didn't have a running plan. I didn't have a training plan. I wasn't focusing on my nutrition. I wasn't focusing on my mobility, nothing. I was just racing all the time and working out all the time. And, you know, after a while, my hip started hurting and I didn't know what it was. So I just, uh, I Googled it because Google knows everything. And it just said it was a strain. Probably. I probably just strained a hip flexor. So kept running on it, kept racing on it. I remember distinctly it was a it was a tough mutter race and my hip was bugging me a little bit. And I remember crawling over a wall and just stretching my leg backwards a little bit and I just felt this sensation in my hip and it just I dropped down to the ground and it was just sharp shooting pain. So instead of, you know, taking myself out of the race, because we still had four miles to go, I just dug my thumb into my hip flexor because that took the pain away and I finished the race and I went to a doctor and they said the same thing it's probably just a hip flexor strain you just need to take a break and I looked at her and I said well you know I have a Spartan race this weekend can I do it and she said no I don't want you even walking I don't want you even running so when you hear something like that you're just like wait what so I uh, only took a month off. I rested for a month and the pain didn't go away. So I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to work through the pain. If it's just a strain, I could work through this. So I started racing again. And uh, and yeah, it, it got to the point where I remember this distinctly as well. It was a race in Sacramento. It was a sprint. It was the wor- worst race I've ever had. By this time... Let's see, I injured it in March of 2015. This is now November of 2015. And I just remember limping off of that course just in tears. And I remember going to the changing tent and I see Rose Wetzel in there and I'm trying so hard to just like not show anyone that I'm just sobbing right now. And I'm changing and my body is just covered in rock tape. Like my entire leg all the way up into my stomach, everything is just taped to try to hold myself together just so I could race. And I remember that was my breaking point where I was like, something's wrong. I really need to get this checked out. So I finally went to another doctor, got the MRI, found out I had the tear. And that's when I told myself, you know, I I can't, I can't do this anymore. During that racing season, I, even though I was injured, I found every single excuse to race. I I already paid for a season pass, so why would I want to waste the money? I um, I already took the time off of work, 
So I'm still going to go to that race or anything. I, I already bought my flight. I already, you know, reserved my hotel, anything. I use anything for an excuse to go to that race because I got so addicted to the feeling of reaching new distances, hitting new PRs. I just got so addicted to achieving goals that I didn't want to stop and give that up. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. And, uh, and yeah, so I found out I was having surgery and even though I needed to have surgery, I still got a couple races in there because in my mind, I was just like, well, they're going to have to fix it anyway. So I might as well just race until they have to, which, uh, was not a good idea because I ended up just doing more damage to it. It, I think when I initially injured it, it was probably just a labral tear. But by the time they got in there, it was a labral tear. I had a hip impingement going on, and I had some bone spurs in there. So it was a lot. All right. So let me me slow you down for a second because you said a lot. And a lot of the things that you said really (laughs) resonates with me because, as you know, I travel around the country – and I meet these folks that are very passionate about their opportunity to race, as you did, really involved in the season with uh, a, a purchase of a season pass. And uh, it's like being at a buffet and feeling like you need to eat all the food that's on the buffet table. And it's just not a good practice. I think that, and I've said this many times before, and I don't know that people are feeling it when I say it, but... I've said that racing is not training. And a lot of people are racing with the intent of the races being the the practice for the next race. And it's really not the case because when you're in competition, your tendency to push yourself beyond what is realistic is far greater than what happens while you're training and there's no competitive pressure. I don't like to see athletes race unless they're absolutely convicted that their training is spot on. Before we got onto the show this morning, I had just sat down with VJ Jones, who I, I'm coaching now. And, you know, as a lot of you are probably aware, VJ is the youngest professional on the Spartan Pro team. And it's kind of cool because he's young and he's listening, he's paying attention. And we're having this conversation about which events he's going to be competing in. And we have discussed this at great length. And I told him, I don't want you to race unless you're pretty confident in your own mind that you're confident that you have a very solid chance of winning in a race. Now, a lot of people that are not at that competitive level aren't going to make those kind of decisions. They're just going to compete because they're having fun with it. But... Having fun and the risk of injury, they don't correlate. You know, you don't want to you don't want to take big risks if, if you're just going out there to have a good time. And I don't know how competitive you were, Zoe, when you were competing, or whether you were at an elite level as an athlete. But it's a fledging new sport. There's not a ton of money in the sport, and when you really think about the pain and suffering you've gone through, and you try to quantify what you would have traded for in dollars. Well, let me just ask you, if I said, I'll give you $250,000 if you go through this stress and frustration that you went through over the last three years, would it be worth it to you? I'd I'd probably say no. 
<laughs> right. Well, and yeah. I, I assumed you would. And we could probably keep playing dial for dollars to see what number would finally get to a place where you'd, you'd consider it. $100 billion. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the point being is that really at this point in the sports history, there's no athletes out there that are making that kind of money where it's worth the risk that they're taking in injury. Because in many cases, some of the damage that's occurring to a lot of these athletes can be irrevocable. You know, you blow out your knee and you have to have a knee replacement. Uh, and I'm just hypothesizing yeah. here. But in your case, the good news is we've, we've got you on the mend and you're smarter for it. And you're, you're you know, you're going to come out the other side of it. But I'm sorry, I got in the middle of your speech, but I just... No, you're fine. The point is I'm trying to make is that I wanted to slow it down for just a moment for people to just kind of reflect on the fact that the importance of having a good training program, putting the right amount of time into the process before they make a decision as to whether they should race or not. And I think if you race too frequently, you don't really have the levity to be on point all the time. No, and I'm glad you stopped me and I kind of wanted to just add on a little bit. When I was racing, I mean, I was signing up for elite, but my hip was hurting so much that I wouldn't train between races. I would say, if you want, if, if you will, I would save my hip for a race. So during the week, I wouldn't run. I wouldn't be doing the things that were going to cause pain to my hip because I was going to save all that pain for a race. Now, in my head, that made sense. But saying it out loud and someone else hearing it, they're probably like, that doesn't make sense at all. Like, so... It's injuries have a way of kind of uh, taking over your life. And uh, if something's so important to you, you're just going to like deal with the pain and do it anyway. But uh, in, in most cases, and in my case, I was doing so much more damage by doing that. So, uh, so yeah, following a training program, listening to your body, it's, it's so important during a race season. I just got through reading some work from Gray Cook who is probably one of the most recognized physical therapists where movement prep is concerned in sport. And he said it best, I think, where he said that pain is a signal that something is going badly and that we tend to overlook those signals. If you got into your car today and the engine light was on, the need oil light is on, you would not think to drive the car anyway. But we tend to just discount all these warning signs that we have and we continue to push through. And the result of this is commonly that we exacerbate the situation and we come into, you know, you could have very well addressed the problem that was causing you pain initially and saved yourself all these days of suffering all these surgeries and all these circumstances that you've gone through, downtime, had you just addressed the problem initially, just said, stop the music, something's not right, what do I got to do to get this corrected so I can move forward? As opposed to, like you suggested, I'm going to save my hip for the next race. And I, by the way, when you said that, I could think of two women in particular, and I'm just poking at women because you're a woman, <laughs> that are elite athletes that are living the same error. And so far, they're not at the level of 
frustration that you found. But anyway, for whatever it's worth, that really jumped out at me when you said that because I know a lot of people, they're just, they know they're hurt. They know that things aren't going well. But because they've signed up for an event, they're going to find a way to, to wrestle through it. And, mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, it's like I sound like a broken record now, but I just, if I could do nothing in the course of this conversation, but to encourage people to not be that person, to find out what it is that you're doing wrong that you can correct in order to save yourself, not just for that race, but for the future. Exactly. No, I completely agree. And, you know, it, it would be one thing if I went through one surgery and I'm now on the mend, but that, that wasn't the case. I had the first surgery in June 2016, and, and I, I don't want to put whose fault it was. It could have been my fault. It could have been the doctor's fault. It could have been, it could have been a lot of different things going on. But he put me in such an aggressive physical therapy that I was... So after the first surgery, I was pretty much weight bearing the next day. He wanted me on crutches, but putting weight on my leg and I was in physical therapy the next week and it was very aggressive. And I, and I, you know, listened to everything that the doctors were telling me because I wanted to get healthy as fast as I could. And I, you know, it, I started, the pain started going away, but I always felt one pain in there that never went away. So I just thought to myself, well, this pain is just never going to go away. You might as well just like work through it, like still take it easy, but work through it. So I got cleared to start running and that's when I saw you. This was probably December, December or January. Um, So December maybe of 2016. I remember it was after the LA Spartan, but um, I saw Rich and he corrected my gait. He corrected how my feet were landing and everything because my running form was awful. I mean, you can attest to that, Rich. Yeah. <laughs> it was so bad. It was so bad. But I was, I was pretty much running pain free. Now I still couldn't squat. I still couldn't deadlift. I still couldn't sit in a chair comfortably. I, I couldn't do a lot of these things. I couldn't stand for long periods of time. My hip would just bug me. So I went and did one Spartan race and I was so careful the entire time. I couldn't even really give it my all. Every wall I was climbing over, every hill I was running down, I was just so scared something was going to happen to it. And I ended up running another one and my hip was just bugging me the whole time. So I'm like, well, am I, am I pushing it? Am I coming back too soon? I don't, I don't know what's going on. So I decided to be smart about it. I went and saw another doctor and I'm like, listen, is this pain normal? Should I be feeling this? It's now, you know, eight months post-surgery or so. Like, I shouldn't be feeling this pain. And he said, no, you shouldn't. Got another MRI. I still have a tear in there. So when I heard the news, I just, I was crushed. I just worked so hard to rehab my hip, to get back to running, to doing everything that I wanted to do. And I have another tear. And he said, you know, the only way to fix this is, I'm sorry, another surgery. So as you can imagine, I was just destroyed. So I went in, got the second surgery. When I woke up, he told me, you know, for this first surgery, I had two anchors that were supposed to be holding my labrum together. He says those never held and my labrum just kept tearing. So now I have five anchors in there holding it together. He almost had to put an artificial labrum in there. So Uh, he, yeah, he, uh, so for this approach, he put me on a very, very cautious recovery approach. I was in bed for six weeks and being as active as I am, uh, 
that was miserable, just being in bed for six weeks. Um, I watched a lot of Netflix. I watched a lot of I watched I rewatched Game of Thrones again. Um, if anyone likes that show, <laughs> I, I, I've seen it three times because I watched it initially, rewatched it when I had my first surgery, and then rewatched it again when I had my second one. <laughs> so, Man. Um, but. It's uh, it's been a very very long process. So that second surgery was in June of 2017, and uh, I still can't squat yet. I still can't deadlift. Um, little things will bug it. Uh, sitting still kind of bugs it a little bit. But you know, running with Rich, it's uh, I've been super scared every time I hop on that treadmill and. So far, I haven't been feeling any pain in my hip because he's been so focused on making sure my feet are landing where they need to be and my knees are not going in and my foot's not going this way and, and my, you know, everything. He's so focused on making sure that I'm loading it correctly that I haven't felt any pain in it yet. So I know that it's still not fully healed. I am nowhere near race ready. I'm nowhere near running a mile or even a lap on a track, but you know, I'm getting back. It's just, it's a, it's a slow recovery process. Well, <laughs> if, if I could uh, kind of chime in here, uh, yeah. the consciousness that you spoke of is, I, I, I believe this to be true. If we can get you to support your weight in your musculature, take the load out of the skeletal structure, and cause you to be more stable when you make ground contact, you should be able to do this work and be okay. And so far in the progressions, the little baby steps that we've been taking, and those that have seen the video clips on Instagram can attest that, you know, we're lifting you up. We're, I've got you, I don't want to say unweighted, but we've reduced your weight by about 30% while you're on the treadmill, while we're correcting your gait. And... Then we had a breakthrough yesterday where we actually took you out of the harness and mm -hmm. let you run and had you running for a short period of time, but having you run at seven miles per hour on the treadmill, which was a pretty big and pretty aggressive breakout move for you to be able to do that. And me standing there and being conscious of your response, are you stressing yourself? Are you just pushing through for me? Are you getting hurt? And it all seemed to be working out pretty well. And when we started this conversation earlier before this podcast, my first question to you was, how do you feel? And your response was? I feel fine. Like I, the only thing that, I mean, he had me running without shoes yesterday. So I was just in socks. So I told him my feet are a little tender just from the friction of the treadmill. But other than that, I feel no pain in my hip from doing the running yesterday. Yeah, and so we probably had you on the belt at seven miles per hour for about 30 seconds. Yeah. And we, yeah, yeah, well, we did it a few times, and, you know, we're, we're going to work on that. And, and with time, what I hope and what I expect will occur is that, and I told you this earlier, within a few weeks, you should be capable of bearing your load and running with pretty good consciousness, avoiding the types of mistakes that were causing you to have the problem to begin with, and you'll be in a better place and we'll grow you back into being able to compete and run without having any more problems. Now, it, it should be, I should be clear on this. I'm not a physician. 
I'm not even a physical therapist. I'm, I'm a body mechanic, I guess, for lack of a better term. And I've got experience in this. I've been doing this for quite some time. My feeling is that you're going to be able to get back to work here. And the, the process may seem, from a medical perspective, to be relatively aggressive. But I don't think it is. I think it's timely. I think we're doing the kind of things that are needing to have happen to allow you to get back to running normally and comfortably. And this time, without the type of mistakes that made you made to uh, run into the problems you, you experienced. Exactly. And, you know, as much as I miss racing, I, I miss it terribly. I just I have a whole new mentality on it. I just I want to be a smarter athlete. I, I kind of made a goal for myself, especially this year. I just want to be a smarter athlete in every way that I can. And that's with my recovery and that's with training and that's with even nutrition and seeking help and advice from others that, you know, know their shit like rich. Um, and I want to just be able to be confident and knowing that I'm doing everything that I can to get me back to where I want to be and doing it in the smartest way possible. And coming back from an injury is, is ridiculously scary. It's so scary. I, I, I wrote a post about it on Instagram, but I like just walking around my house in socks. I have hardwood floors. I kind of just have a little bit of anxiety because I don't want my leg to slip out or, you know, slip in any way and cause and cause damage to my hip. I am so cautious even stepping out of the shower and walking on the bathroom floor with wet feet. It's it's the little things that I'm so aware of and so conscious of because getting my hip better is so so important to me that I it's it's terrifying. It's terrifying to try to to try to get it back, but you know, I I struggle with putting trust in others, but it's very easy to trust Rich because I know what he's talking about and I know that he's doing everything that he can to make sure that I'm feeling no pain and I, I really appreciate that. And I just, everyone needs that in their lives, just putting kind of that trust in someone. You know, I know it sounds cheesy, but. No, it doesn't. <laughs> well, you know, I, I got me all teary eyed here now. <laughs> I don't know if you recall, I'm sure you do. I sent you a video of a girl that I had worked with 11 years ago. The girl that had a tumor, they found a tumor in her femur, near the head of her femur in her hip socket. Do you remember this video? I do remember this video, yeah. Okay, so this girl, a dancer, no less, 16 years old, an elite dancer, competitive. They found a tumor near the head of her femur. They had to go in and they biopsied the tumor. They found that the tumor was benign. So they removed it anyway. And then they did whatever patch-up job they needed to do to get her, her hip back in order. She sat in a wheelchair probably for three months in recovery. Finally got up on her feet on crutches, only to find that the tumor had grown back. And she needed surgery again. They went back in and realized they're going down into the marrow of the, the femur to get this tumor out. And the more they have to dig in there, the more they're degrading the structure of the femur. 
So they had to put a plate. It was probably a six inch plate with about five screws on the side of the femur to support it. And then she went back to healing. Came out of that to find out again, third time, that they needed to have surgery again. They were going to take her leg. That's how bad it was getting. She came out of that. And within a couple months time of that surgery, I was friends with her parents and I told her, told her parents, I said, look, I want you to bring me your daughter. She'd been in physical therapy. She'd been doing all sorts of fashions of physical therapy. They had her doing uh, treatments in a pool. They were unweighting her in water and a very aggressive approach to trying to get her back. Because remember, she wants to get back to dancing. They gave her to me and I started working with her. And within a matter of eight weeks, I want to say, I had her running on the treadmill. And when I first got her, she could not walk without a severe limp. Working with her for a period of time, I came to find pretty confidently that she'd be capable of running. And what was interesting about this is she was not interested in running. <laughs> she, <didn't, laughs> she had never run an event in her life. She's not a runner. And I said, you know what? I want you to run a 10K and I want it to happen by Thanksgiving. And so I said, find a 10K around Thanksgiving and let's get you registered for it. And mind you, this is probably around June at that time. And she came back to me with this smart aleck grin. She said, you know what? There's no races locally. <laughs> and I said, well, then we're going to build one. We put together a Thanksgiving Day 10K, issued her the number one number uh, on her singlet, and did it for charity. She ran that race. And we put on that race six years afterwards. And she always got the number one because she was able to finish that 10K without pain. And to this day, she's graduated from university. I believe her background is in medicine now. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's not a runner, doesn't like to run. But she is capable of moving around with no detectable issue with her hip. It's coming from having that experience with the hip in that circumstance that led me to believe comfortably that we could probably help you. And again, I'm not a medical professional. I'm more of a body mechanic. I'm, I'm working with people's mechanics and the way they move. Just the experiences that I've had over the last 20 years of working with athletes has led me to believe that we can help you. So I didn't want to turn this into kind of a sob story kind of a thing, but the message that I felt comfortable or I felt important, I should say, to deliver today was that A, what can happen if you just kind of discount these nagging injuries, if you don't take an aggressive stand in finding out what it is that's behind these problems that these athletes are experiencing, getting them sorted out before they just continually press themselves into these competitions. And I think that um, your story is a good one for that case. Yeah. <laughs> no, and it's uh, that's why I'm I'm pretty open about my injury and my recovery. I try to be. 
Um, just because it's my goal that I just, I hope I can help someone just even if it's just one person, if they, if they read something I write, if they hear something that I say, and if it resonates with them, I just, that's my goal. I just, I, if I can help one person, that's, that's all I really want. It's because I'm the kind of person where I have to learn from my mistakes, unfortunately. And, uh, this was a, this is a mistake and I am, I'm learning from it. But um, I just hope that I can kind of share my knowledge and share, you know, everything that I have with others. And that's, I mean, one of the main reasons why I loved that you asked for me to be a co-host with you is because I love the sport of OCR. I'm still very much involved. Um, and I can kind of relate to others on the injury aspect and kind of give my two cents on it. And it's my hope that, you know, throughout the year, while I'm kind of getting back into running, Rich and I can share with you guys you know, the, the programs that he's creating for me and, and how we're going to get me back into running. And I want to stress so much that it's, it's very important to learn how your body moves. And if it's not moving correctly, I had no idea that I had terrible running form and I didn't know really like what your gait should be. I didn't know anything. I just, when I was a kid, I just, one day started running and that's how I was running for, you know, 20 something years. So <laughs> I didn't know that there was really a, a way that you need to move. So I think it's, it's very important to see someone, especially someone like Rich that can tell you what you're doing wrong and to fix it so you can run more efficiently. Well, and a lot of people, by the way, on that point, a lot of people want to argue that they're unique and the way their body responds is unique and they run a particular way because of the way their body is designed or what their life's history has been or what have you. And there's probably some truth to that, but you just can't argue with physics and kinematics. There's a way that your body was designed to move and we've gotten away from it. And in the course of getting away from it, we tend to injure ourselves. So I've gotten pretty involved in this kind of work simply because it's so rampant. There's more people that are injuring themselves running than in any other sport. Recreational athletes are killing themselves running. And it doesn't need to be that way. And I found that over the course of the past so many years that I've been doing what I'm doing, I've had good success by helping people get to a better place. And I get, I mean, you've seen it. I, I get comments daily from people that have attended these clinics we do coming back with reports about how they're running pain-free and how their performances is improving dramatically. And in short periods of time, they're getting some dramatic results from, from the changes they've made. And I mean, if there's ever been a reason or a motivation to continue to do your life's work, I think that's probably it for me. But anyway, I didn't, I didn't want to make this like a kumbaya kind of a thing, but it kind of turned that, <laughs> kind of turned that direction. It kind of went that direction, yeah. And it's uh, and I don't want to. I guess I should kind of touch base too that it wasn't just because I was overtraining and all these other things that I hurt my hip. I mean, there's some uh, some other things that are factors because I was a gymnast. My hips kind of developed a little bit more inwards, so I was prone to have an impingement. Like just they've been looking at my left one because my right one's the injured one, and they're and, you know if I don't start actively trying to open my hips up, I might get an impingement starting on my left one. So there's a lot that has to do with it too. And so, like I said as well, it's very good to just kind of learn how your body moves and try to just correct it 
So that way you can avoid injury and you could avoid being taken out of a sport that you love for years. (laughs) And, uh, and with that, you know, when one door closes, even if it's temporarily, another one opens. And for me, that was, I got very involved on the social media side of OCR. I started, you know, helping out with Instagram stories and doing a little bit of sideline reporting for Spartan. And I I got the opportunity to do sideline reporting for Tough Mudder. And you're going to be seeing me at a lot of Tough Mudder races this year. So, and I really enjoy doing that. And I, and I enjoy being on this podcast with Rich, even though it's only been a couple of episodes, but I just, I'm kind of enjoying that aspect of the sport. And that way I'm still involved, even though I'm not racing yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, and emphasize yet. Yet. Yeah. Capital All right. Y-E-T. <laughs> All right. So, uh, I think it's about, uh, time to put this to bed, but before we do, I want to let people know that we do have some clinics coming up. We still have room in Chicago. We still have room in Killington and there's a clinic coming up pretty soon here in March in Camarillo, California. Information for those clinics can be found at naturalrunningcoach.net or dshumanperformance.com, either one of those two sites. Hit me up on social media and uh, be glad to try to answer any questions you might have. And the other thing I want to talk about is this. We're going to put pressure on ourselves here a little bit. (laughs) We're going to do a podcast that I think is going to scare the crap out of a lot of people. And I talked to Zoe about it uh, yesterday. And I said, I didn't do this podcast interview with these guys for the very specific purpose that I felt that it was going to scare the crap out of a lot of people. I think it's time that we we got this information out. I'm not going to say much more than that, but I do want to say that pay attention to the next couple episodes because I have planned for a podcast coming up that is going to be a powerful, very important podcast that you're going to want to listen to if you're an obstacle course or even any type of endurance athlete, it's going to be mm-hmm. good information. And I think you need to hear it. Yeah, that one's i uh, I'm actually really looking forward to that one. <laughs> yeah. All right, Zoe. So thanks so much for providing the audience with a uh, get to know Zoe for smackish flaggers. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks again. Yeah. And if anyone has any questions, you can always reach out to me. Uh, my Instagram handle is at Zoe, so Z-O-E, and then it's S-Z-C-Z, so Z-O-E-S-Z-C-Z. I'm happy to answer any questions you have, or if you're dealing with an injury and you're kind of in that emotional or that mental place, that dark place, like you, you can talk to me about it because I've been there and I've been there twice. So yeah, feel free to reach out. Wow, that's like therapy. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I try, I had a lot of people from even around the world reach out to me and say, you know, I've dealt with an injury very similar or I've had that same surgery. And if you need anything, let me know. And I, I made a lot of friends like around the world actually because of my injury. So, um, I would just, I would like to just do the same. (laughs) How cool is that? Paint it forward. Yeah. All right. Let's shut it down, Zoe. All right. Well, thanks for having me, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your day. Yep. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.